Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode as we continue into the sweltering heat of summer. I mean, it's it's getting insane here in the state of Florida as we swelter through everything. AC bills going up, gas prices going up. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford to live anymore, Bob. Well, <laughs> well, I hope you'll be able to afford to live. Maybe, maybe we'll be living in a shed somewhere, but I... So I spent $90 on gas this morning, Jimbo. Yeah. Filling up Barb's Forerunner, Forerunner, my college daughter's home, and she was visiting and she ran it out of gas last night pretty much. So I woke up to that, filled it up 90 bucks. And then, man, everything's just crazy going up. Like went went out to eat at this pizza joint and the bill was like a hundred bucks, right? So salads and, a, yeah. and three pizzas is like, man, it is, is expensive. So I know this is a affecting our replanters and we haven't I haven't heard yet if it's affecting offerings or not but I'm sure this this is a kind of one of those seasons where everybody's going man what what do we do so yeah, yeah everybody's got to pull back a little bit financially and while we're pulling back financially the heat is ratcheting up and so I feel your pain with the air conditioner you know I will wake up in the middle of the night feeling because I sleep by my side of the beds by the vent so I'll feel the cool air kick on and then I'll just think of dollar signs <laughs> just think of like it's like it's like the uh the showcase showdown wheel at the you know at the end of price is right when they spin the wheel that's that's the bill like just going around and around and I'm just like oh man this is gonna be a tough month <laughs> oh man absolutely it's insane I've, I've my kids even though they're older than most of them, the kid menu. I'm just telling them you're you're back to the kid menu for a while. Um, <laughs> well, you, you know what? I know you know what. So I'm I've been told, and I think this is now true, Jimbo. I I turned double nickels in this last month, and so I think I'm now eligible for the senior discount at most restaurants that Mark Clifton would go to. Come on. There we go. Not restaurants that I would go to, but ones that Mark Clifton would go to. So I may have to start eating at Bob Evans and Denny's and IHOP and all those places and just laying down my driver's license and saying, hey, give me the senior discount. Yeah, there we go. You got it. But you got to go up 430 for dinner. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Get the early bird and then I'm in bed by like eight. So, you know. That's pretty much my go. life these I days. It. it is my life, Jimbo. That's what I do. Well, hey, man, congrats to making it to 55 without blowing it big time and disqualifying <laughs> yourself for ministry at this point. Here's hoping you can make it another 20, 30 years with, without blowing it big time. Uh, it's, <laughs> that's, that's my seamless transition into our topic for today. Bob, what do you do? Here's what we're going to talk about today. What do you do when you... When you blow it big time, and so there are different levels of that, but a lot of times when it, when it comes to church revitalization or replanting, we tend to have a bias in our conversations towards the poor perspectives and decisions of church members that create issues. But sometimes, and you know, and so we talk about like when you get blamed for things that aren't really your fault, or people complain all the time about things. But what if they're right? What if you do blow it? What if, I mean, sometimes they are right. Sometimes we do mess up and we fall short. 
of what we were supposed to do or who we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to lead. What do you do when you actually, you mess up? You look at it, you recognize, yeah, I, I messed up on this one. Yeah, such a, such a good question. And I think it's, it's one that every revitalizer and replanter will have to answer because here's the reality. We are going to make mistakes, leadership mistakes, and we're going to need to, to address those. And so I think we'd probably need to qualify the mess ups in some categories to understand what are we actually talking about. So when I thought about this, as we were thinking about this podcast, there's a couple of categories that I think would be helpful for us to talk about. The first one would be a disqualifying mistake, right? Or sin. And we, you do something to disqualify yourself from ministry. And, and you know, we think of the qualifications of ministry in, in First Timothy three and Titus one, but this would be a moral failure to the degree that you should take a break and probably in some cases, maybe even a permanent break from ministry. Right. And we've, we've had, you know, it's been pretty widespread the terms of what we've seen is in terms of failures from public personas, people who have made significant mistakes, had moral failings, and they take a week off and then they're back in ministry. <laughs> this is not what we're talking about here. There's some there's some mistakes, adultery, affairs, trouble, legal trouble, you know, on and on abuse, on and on we could go. And there are some mistakes that you can make that simply disqualify you from ministry. Now, that may not be forever, but that may be for a season. And then we're also going to have the theological debate of if does an affair disqualify someone from ministry permanently, right? And there are people who say yes, and there's people who say mm, maybe not. But I think one of the things that happens often that, that's really frustrating for me, Jimbo, is when somebody does something that is categorized or could be categorized as a disqualifying mistake, they minimize it. And then they just take a, a small step back from ministry or they leave one place and go to another place. And I think that's mm -hmm. heartbreaking and that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and I think it, it's something that has to be addressed. Yeah, I would say you if you've done something disqualifying or even potentially disqualifying, I think we have to say you don't get to be the one to decide yeah. how long that break is. You don't get to be the one to decide whether that's a permanent disqualification or a terminant, temporary disqualification. But some sort of outside counsel, outside wise help, your local association state convention maybe can speak into that. Your elders of your church maybe can speak into that. But depending on what it is, right, like and we you hear stories of, of stuff like this, like if it's been like abuse in the sense of the way you lead, not sort of sexual abuse, but like you you're abusive towards people you lead, then chances are you've built some sort of elder board or deacon board or oversight board that really is is kind of rubber stamp yes people. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I don't know, be careful at that point of, of going to those guys and going, hey, I think I'm good. Just give me a couple of weeks off and then I'll be back. And they go, oh, yeah, uh, if you're on that board, man, probably reach out to some outside counsel and just get some wisdom on how, how to approach that unique situation. Every situation is going to be unique. And there's a temptation to soften the blow a little bit. But we need to be really careful in that type of situation. Yeah, I agree. I really appreciate the wisdom in your recommendation of you're not the one that determines if you're able to step back in ministry or not. You have to to submit to a, a group that can hold you accountable. And the preference would be that would be a local group who knows you, like really knows you. Mm -hmm. And we've seen on the national stage, we've seen 
individuals go from local uh, oversight or accountability to national oversight or accountability, mm. particularly in the larger church situation where, where somebody will, will build up an accountability team of friends and say that this is now their accountability board. And that typically doesn't go very well because the people don't know them, right? Yeah. They don't know them intimately. They don't know how, how they work with others. So those are the disqualifying things. So what I would say is if you made a disqualifying mistake, you need to repent first because you've sinned before God. Next, I think you need to resign. You need to enter into a process of spiritual restoration, not positional restoration. Mm -hmm. And specifically, you don't already need to have a vision of when you're able to get back in ministry in mind, right? You need to put that aside. You need to keep that at bay and you need to think about where you were before the Lord and with your family and with those who are around you and make restitution where you can, if it's appropriate and those sort of things. So that would be a category of disqualifying mistake. The next area. Well, one, one thing with that real quick. Yeah. I was researching this for someone recently as they were asked to leave a church and I came across, so I don't have, I don't, I can't give a full endorsement because I don't have a personal testimony or even a secondhand testimony, but I tried to find, surely there's someone out there that's there to help. And I found something called the pastorshopenetwork.org that provides counseling and vocational planning help and family counseling and all sorts of different resources for pastors who are forced to resign or are fired or, or situations like that. That's really their heartbeat. And so from what I could find on pastorshopenetwork.org, it seemed like a fairly solid resource. And so if that's you, if you're in that I think it's at least worth looking into that as a resource or something like that. Awesome. That's good. We'll put that in the show notes as a possible resource for guys to check out. So so we've got the disqualifying category. The next would be the disconcerting category. And the definition of the word disconcerting is something that causes those led by you to feel unsettled, right? Now, <laughs> we need to give this a qualification. If you're stepping into a church that has not moved forward in a while or had healthy leadership, even if you take a step towards health, it might be disconcerting to some, right? So that's not what I'm talking about here. But I'm talking about the way you lead causes someone to feel unsettled, even though they're in agreement with you on the moving forward or the goal or the mission or the value or the objective. They're in agreement. Hey, the church needs to get healthy. They might just have something that uh, occurs in them that, that there's an unsettling in them about the way you're leading them towards that goal. So let, let me let me give you a Daisy the Pup illustration. It's been a while since she's made uh, the podcast. So Jimbo, there is a, a strain of dog training that says you have to be the alpha and aggressive and be dominant and all of those sorts of things. There's that side where I can be, be very forceful with the dog. Then there's the side that says, be very encouraging, speak in a loving voice, have a little pouch of treats on your belt clip and lead them with a gentle voice and an encouraging voice, right? So that really is the trend of, of dog training at this point. So that's the, that's what we're doing with Daisy, right? But Daisy, the pup has decided at moments during her walk that she does not want to walk. And so she plops, she just plop down. And she just says, I'm, I'm not going. So I have to say, Daisy, come and then get a little treat out of the treat pouch. I am that guy, Jimbo. It's not a fanny pack, but it's a clip-on treat pouch, right? And I've got it on my oh, belt. Oh, okay. Yeah. All, right. All right. All right. So I'll get a little treat out, and I will coax Daisy 
by saying Daisy come and then she comes. Now, the first part of the walk, Jimbo, I am regularly reaching into the treat pouch and coaxing Daisy to join me on the walk. And about halfway through, she finally gets it and then we're able to move forward. Here's how this relates back to the disconcerting. I could I could drag Daisy on her harness and her leash. I could drag her on the entire walk. But if you were sitting on the porch in Webster Groves, Jimbo, and you saw me dragging a puppy wearing a harness down the street, <laughs> would you would that be disconcerting to you? It would be disconcerting for sure. All right. So that's what we're talking about here. Everybody's on board with the walk. Even Daisy knows that she wants to walk because she gets to meet new people and dogs. But it's how I lead, right? Yeah. And it's how we move forward. And so there's sometimes when we get so frustrated, we just are like, I'm just pressing the gas. I'm just moving forward. I'm just making the call. Well, that's a little bit disconcerting and can cause people to feel unsettled. Yeah, I think about when I read this description that you put in our pre-show notes, I was thinking about one of my favorite YouTube videos ever of a guy that obviously had reached a point he needed a break. And in the middle of preaching, he just starts going off on this guy who's asleep. And he's like, how dare you fall asleep? I'm a big deal. And then and and he doesn't stop there, Bob. He kind of goes like, and he starts calling out different members by name. And he's like, and you and your sister, you weren't worth a nickel when you came to this church. And you, you want me to marry you to her? You think you're worth marrying to her? You're the worst church member I ever had. I love you, buddy, though. Give me a hug. And then my favorite line, my favorite line, I'll send you the link we got into the show notes, this YouTube video. My favorite line is, he. I mean, he just keeps going. And I, I th- this line is why it ended up on YouTube, I'm convinced, is at some point then he starts going off on the tech team. And, and he goes, and you back there in the video room, we got your own kingdom in the video room. <laughs> it, it made several years ago it made kind of nationally nationally viral and i think even made it like to cnn or something like that and so i looked it up figured out what the pastor's name was and all that sort of stuff and i went back and sure enough he was not the one preaching for the next two or three weeks i imagine it was such a disconcerting experience for the leaders of that church that they said hey buddy i think it's probably time to take a little vacation, a little respite. And maybe you've made some disconcerting choices because you're burned out. Yeah. And you don't, maybe you've tried to live in your own kingdom in the video room and somebody needs to call you out. And at that point, you might just need to take a break. But yeah, I mean, we, we make some disconcerting calls. And sometimes when people make disconcerting but not disqualifying, they get so frustrated with the pushback that they just decide to leave. I mean, is, is it appropriate at that point to leave, Bob? Man, I would caution if, and you're talking about the pastor, right? That's made that those mistakes. Yeah. So, man, I, I think you pointed out something by referencing the video. That guy's probably he. There was something going on in him that had created that level of frustration, and hopefully, there were a group of men, or or in any church, there would be a group of leaders who you could go to and go, man, I'm just a little bit fried right now, and I am heading to the right, I'm, I'm heading towards the right objective in the wrong way, right? Because we can do the right thing in the wrong way sometimes. And I think this is really what I have in mind here in thinking about this leadership mistake of leading in such a way that it creates a, f- a feeling of great unsettledness in the congregation. I think you you probably need to step back, take a break. And then at that point in time, after you've taken a break, you really need to, if it's a public mistake, I think you need to to, uh, to own that publicly. 
you need to talk about that and repent to the congregation if, if you made public statements like our, our good brother on YouTube here. I think that, that if you leave during that time, you may not have done the hard work that will grow the muscle to help you become a more tender-hearted shepherd leader. And so that would kind of be my my thoughts there. Don't leave when when you've made a mistake. I, oftentimes, you know, when you when you make mistakes, you just want to run and start over somewhere, but you can't, right? It'll yeah. follow you and you won't learn the tough lessons that you need to learn. Yeah, you got to learn through those types of moments and get, again, get outside counsel, get a mentor, get a coach, get somebody that's going to help you as you grow in those areas. All right, so after disconcerting, so disqualifying, a step below disqualifying would be disconcerting. And then the third one is something that's really just kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Something, talk to us about that level of blowing it. Yeah, this is this would be when you're leading and someone feels let down by you. They're just disappointed, right? They, they've had an expectation, something that you're doing misses the mark, that somehow... I feel like this was a fairly daily occurrence for me as a pastor. <laughs> yes. So uh, I would think that, no, this is not the, you didn't preach on this topic on this particular Sunday, right? And I'm frustrated by you. This is more in the long, along the lines of a, a person who expected something different from you than they received. And so there's a disappointment, right? And now this is hard. And, and please don't hear me say that we are, to try to meet everybody's expectations because there's just no way we can do that. But this were, this one reminds me of a time when I was early on in the replant. We were probably about two and a half, three years in, and I was working with a group of leaders and we were getting ready to do a, a leadership retreat. These were potential elder candidates. And so I was trying to divide up responsibilities and have these guys take responsibility. And so one guy said, hey, I know of a retreat center where we can go. And I think it'd be a great retreat center. So awesome. I said, can you make that happen? Yeah, great. I'll make it happen. So I was working on the content of what we were supposed to do and the schedule and communication and then as well handling all the other things that I was handling. But after that experience and after that retreat getaway, he just came to me and said, man, I was really disappointed that you didn't handle more of the logistics for the retreat, like the getaway, the, you know, calling and making sure we, you know, you know, we knew how much it would cost and all this kind of stuff. And so in my mind, I thought he was handling that in his mind. He thought as a leader, I should handle that. And as someone who is has a full, he has a full-time job. I've got a full-time job. We're trying to work on this thing together. He felt that I should have borne more of the weight. So he was disappointed, right? So I had to have a conversation with him. He was like, man, I'm sorry. When, when we had the conversation and you suggested the retreat center, I thought that in my mind, in my understanding, my thinking was that you were going to handle all of those logistics and that you were going to let our treasurer know you know, here's the check, here's how much it costs, all those sorts of things, right? He had just the opposite expectation. So I think there's there's a challenge there in ministry that we're going to disappoint people. So one of the things that guards against that is clear communication, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that you understand, okay, who's handling this? What does this mean? And clarifying and all that. So that was just a simple lesson for me just to go, okay, we should have had more consistent communication on this. I should have said, what do you have? What I have? Do you have time to do this? 
etc. Right. And so, so our relationship went to a, a little bit of a challenging place there. And so I simply just had to say, man, I'm sorry. Like when we were talking about this, this is what I thought was going to happen. I thought you were going to cover this. And then I'm sorry that I wasn't more clear about that. So we, we struggle with that. So there'll be, there'll be regular moments in ministry where you disappoint people. It's just going to happen, right? And so some of it's fair, some of it's unfair. You can't meet everybody's expectations. But where it's clear that you have let someone down, that you've missed the mark, that you've not communicated well, that you've disappointed, man, own that, apologize for that, learn from it, have a conversation about how that might not happen again. Yeah, I think there's a real temptation in moments like that for all of us to kind of get defensive and really make sure we have the best face we can coming out of it really at any of these levels of blowing it that we've talked about. That's kind of the temptation is how do I, how do I, how do I do damage recovery? How do I make sure that I don't come out of this looking really bad? And I think you just have to be really careful with that. That's, I don't think that's the right beginning point of any of these processes is it's, I think it's our intuitive, our instinctive beginnings point of the process of how do I make sure I save face here? Mm-hmm. But I would encourage myself and our listeners, man, don't don't immediately go to how do I save face? But I think let's immediately go to what is the truth here? What is what is true here? What is what is true of of and, and understanding that my intentions and others' perceptions are not always the same thing. And when those are not clear then I at least have to own that that wasn't clear, right? I'll, I at least have to own, okay, I, in my mind, in my reality, this is kind of a different situation than what it was in yours. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for how that came across or for being unclear. Mm-hmm. And just owning what you can. You don't, now don't, some people are more people pleaser type and they'll own too much. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, don't, don't own something that's not yours. You, you don't need to take on too much because that it also isn't the truth, right? And so, I mean, I would encourage you, let's figure out what's true. Let's, let's try to remove, let's, let's, let's address emotions that are involved in this because that does need to be addressed. And let's affirm, hey, emotions are normal and it's, I understand that you feel that way. But at some point we have to move to what is actually true here mm-hmm. and let's work from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't own everything don't own nothing. You have to own something, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's your part of it? And so I think that, that's really key. So here's here's some general, I think, encouragements as you think about when you blow it. First is connect with those who've been hurt or offended, right? If you've got somebody who knows who you are becoming aware of or have become aware of that's offended, you know, the, the passage in Matthew 5 that talks about if you are offering a gift at the altar and you know that your brother has something against you, go go and be reconciled to him. And so I think that that's important as to connect with those who have been hurt. Most of, most of the time, Jimbo, I think we want to run away from people who have issues with us. Uh, we want to not have to have that messy and hard conversation. And so I think it's, it's uh, imperative that we walk towards difficult conversations and not run from them. And I think that's a, a, that's a great demonstration of a practical, of, of practical discipleship, that we're not going to run from conflict, we're going to engage in it, and we're going we're to connect with one another and, and have good conversations about hard things. The other thing was correct a misstep or wrong or hurtful actions with an unqualified apology, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever gotten an apology that somebody apologizes to you and it's like, well, 
if you could just would if you just would have stopped before you told me all the reasons why you are now qualifying why this happened. Like yeah. you have allergies. I'm so didn't sorry, get but sleep. really this is your fault. <laughs> yes. You know, this wouldn't have happened. I'm sorry that you're mad at me. This would have happened if you hadn't oh, done such yeah. and such, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So, or just blaming it on something. You just own it. Right. And just, just exercise an unqualified apology. The other thing, as I would say is men really spend some time with the Lord and consider for you, what happened? Why did it happen? Why did I respond the way that I did? And how do I need to ask more questions to really unlayer this for me? So there's a there's a thing called the five whys, and we'll put this in the show notes. But an executive at Toyota, basically, when there would be a problem on the production floor, he would go down and he would say, why are we missing our goals in completing our assignments and objectives of producing these vehicles? And so there would be one question and he would ask, why is that happening? Right. And then he would continually ask a why to get to the bottom line of understanding what is the real issue here? Why are we experiencing what we are experiencing here? And most of the conflict, Jimbo, is as a layered response to something that is really occurring deeper underneath. Right. So I think that if we could spend some time thinking about the times that we've blown it and just ask why and the first response, ask another why and then another why and another why. I think it'll lead us to uncovering some things that we not not normally discern. And so it could be fear. It could be anger. It could be frustration. It could be a sense of, you know, you as a replanter, you feel entitled, like like the Lord has called me here and why aren't these people listening to me, right? And so I just got angry and, and was direct and I could have been more patient rather than, than um just exploding on someone. So all these sorts of things I think people need to to, to think about. And, and it's important to ask the five whys. And then I would say this lastly, is don't be paralyzed by a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Man, you're going to make them. You're not going to be able to lead without offending. You probably won't be able to communicate without misstating. You're probably going to even do something that is wrong. So yeah. just own it, own it, yeah. deal with it, and then move forward. And, and don't be paralyzed by it. Absolutely. Man, I think these are all really good things to consider and worth diving deeper into. We're all going to blow it from time to time, and none of us are immune to that. So don't attempt just to save face, but consider, is this a disqualifying, a disconcerting, or just disappointing? And then figure out why. Why, why are we dealing with this issue, and what do we need to do next about it? How do we move forward? What does it look like? To, to move in the right direction. I mean, that's what repentance is, right? It's turning from the wrong direction and moving in the right direction. And so how do we, what, what do we need to do? What do we need to own in order to help things move forward? And own, own your part. Don't own nothing. Don't own everything, but own your part. Get to the truth of what's going on. Sometimes we're going to blow it. And it's in those moments we have an opportunity to really show our dependence and trust in the Lord for redemption of ourselves or the situation to redeem the relationship, to redeem the the mistake and everything that we're going through. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of the boot camp today. If you blow it and you need to process it, reach out to us. Let us know. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.